What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. You're listening to Washington Post Live's First Look podcast with Jonathan Capehart. Welcome to Washington. Washington. <laughs> what a way to start off a Friday. Welcome to First Look, Washington Post Live's one-stop shop for news and analysis. I'm Jonathan Capehart, associate editor at the Washington Post. Big day at the Supreme Court yesterday. For more than two hours, the justices heard arguments about Colorado's Supreme Court's ruling that former President Donald Trump should be removed from that state's Republican primary ballot based on the 14th Amendment. An eyewitness to the action was Ann Marimo, Supreme Court correspondent at The Washington Post, and she joins me now. Ann, welcome to your debut appearance on First Look. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's just jump into it. Were there any differences between the questions asked by the conservative justices and the liberal justices? Well, it's, it was really surprising to me, um, usually with some of these big, divisive political issues, um, there's a clear line between the liberal and conservative justices. And a lot of times you can't really figure out which way they're going, but it was really clear, um, maybe about an hour in, that um, a majority, if not all, of the justices were skeptical of Colorado's challenge to Trump's candidacy and eligibility to return to the White House. And so then, so give us an example of uh, skepticism uh, exemplified in a question from a quote unquote liberal justice. Sure. Um, I think Justice Elena Kagan, a liberal, was the first one who really said, I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, should a single state be able to decide for its own citizens, but also for the rest of the nation, uh, which presidential candidate can be on the ballot? And that was quickly followed up by conservative justice Amy Coney Barrett, who said, it just doesn't seem like a state's call. And so then, uh, because these these hearings, especially at the Supreme Court, they they are relatively fast and also sort of freewheeling, since the justices can jump in at any moment while a, an attorney is giving their their argument. So, how did the attorneys for each side do? Do did either side make good points for their argument? Uh, my feeling is, I mean, both were very experienced lawyers. Um, Jonathan Mitchell, the former Texas Solicitor General, who was a law clerk to conservative Antonin Scalia. This was his sixth appearance at the Supreme Court. Uh, Jason Murray, the lawyer for the Colorado voters, was making his first appearance. Um, but he is a former law clerk to Justice Kagan and also clerked for Justice Gorsuch. And in some ways, um, the oral argument is really more of a chance for the justices to air their views through their questions. So uh, both attorneys did, um, you know, were very smooth and, and fielding the questions, but I felt like it was more about what were the justices asking and what did that tell us? Um, so you've been covering the court a long time and, and I've been following the court for a long time. And, you know, I've heard arguments, to your point, on big political issues. You listen to the questioning, and then everyone tries to divine 
what's what's going to happen. And I seem to remember during the Supreme Court case involving the Affordable Care Act, where after the after the hearing, the the coverage analysts all thought, oh man, given the questioning, Obamacare is going to get struck down if you were just following the questioning. And then the ruling comes out. Naturally, the Affordable Care Act was saved. I give all that history because I'm just wondering, from your years of covering the court, was yesterday's hearing potentially the first time where the the skepticism in the questions and the sort of quote unquote negative outlook for the <laughs> prospects of Colorado will be matched by a ruling, maybe even a unanimous ruling, um, in favor of Donald Trump, basically? Well, I don't know about the first time, um, but it just was so clear when you had Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson and Justice Clarence Thomas on the same page about the history of the 14th Amendment, um, that it really did seem clear walking out of there um, that this was going to go Trump's way, um, either in a unanimous vote. Um, I would say Justice Sonia Sotomayor was the most skeptical of the of the justices, but I can see Chief Justice Roberts really wanting to get as close to unanimous as possible um, to avoid sort of the polarization that we saw after Bush v. Gore in 2000, uh, when the court essentially handed the election to George W. Bush. So then yesterday's argument came a few days after the appeals court released a strongly worded unanimous uh, ruling against Trump's argument for absolute immunity. And this is heading to the Supreme Court since the appeals court gave um, Trump's attorneys until Monday to file its motions, those papers to get to the Supreme Court. What do you make of the thinking that the Supreme Court will somehow let the appeals immunity ruling stand while overturning the Colorado ballot ruling. That's definitely the trending analysis that I've seen, um, but I think it's a real question. Uh, I think there will be some justices on the bench who think for sort of an unprecedented huge question like this that's so consequential, the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, should have the final word um, and will want to take up this case. And the timing of all this matters a lot because, as you know, um, there was supposed to be a trial starting in D.C. on March 4th, and that's already been delayed. Um, so as you say, Trump is expected to come to the Supreme Court by Monday, um, and then how quickly the justices decide whether or not to get involved will really affect that timing. Well, given Chief Justice Roberts and his, you know, he's very conscious of sort of the stature and the reputation uh, of the court. I'm just wondering, is there an appetite on the part of the Chief Justice to get into, to take up, have the court take up the immunity case? Well, um, he is the chief justice, but he's only one of nine justices and does not have any special extra power, except that he gets to assign cases to himself when he's in the majority. Um, so really, it's going to be a discussion among the justices. Uh, do they let the D.C. Circuit uh, unanimous opinion stand? or do they take the case? Um, no matter what, they'll hear briefing from both sides. Trump will submit his uh, cert petition, will get a response and then a reply. So that will eat up some time uh, no matter what. Well, speaking of eating up time, a major tactic used by Donald Trump his entire life has been to try to delay cases 
um, going to trial for as long as possible. But now, and he's certainly done that in the four cases he's facing now. And in this go round, it's the whole goal is to push the trials beyond the presidential election. And of course, his hope is that a trial date after the November election, and from his vantage point, hopeful win, that if he becomes president, he can make these cases disappear. But the question is, legally, will it change anything if the defendant becomes the sitting president? I sure think it will. Um, I mean, the, the concern is that if he's the president, he can have his Justice Department drop the charges. Um, there's talk that he could have his vice president um, pardon him. Um, so yes, the timeline is very important. And as you said, we've seen in other cases when Congress was trying to get his uh, tax and financial records, um, when the Manhattan District Attorney was trying to subpoena Trump, he kept losing all along the way. Um, but because the legal process takes time, he sort of won by losing through delay. And that's what can you know, happen here. Right, right. And also on the issue of, of, of pardon, I mean, in order to get a pardon, you have to, there's a requirement of an admission of guilt, right? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> there would be a couple steps there. <laughs> right. So I just, you know, putting it out there, if you know, you want to pardon yourself, get yourself pardoned, there's some stuff that comes with it. Ann Marimo, Supreme Court correspondent for The Washington Post, thank you very much for coming to First Look. We're going to have to have you back. <laughs> have a good Great weekend. Great to talk with you. Thanks. All right, time for the Opinions Roundtable. So let's go to the opinion side of the Washington Post, where we will find Washington Post columnists E.J. E. Dion at the top of the Brady screen and <laughs> Hugh Hewitt at the bottom of the Brady Bunch screen that we have. E.J., Hugh, welcome back to First Look. Thank good you, to be John. with Thank you, Jonathan. You, okay. Um, Hugh, we're going to talk about a, a, a tweet you put out in a moment, but let's just set the table for a moment. We have to talk about the report from the special counsel, Robert Herr. Um, first, your individual reactions um, to special counsel Herr's conclusion that, quote, um, President Biden, quote, willfully retained and disclosed classified material after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen, but, quote, does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. EJ, your reaction first. I think there are three things we need to focus on. The first, which is not getting enough attention, is what we saw yesterday was the radical difference between the Biden Justice Department and the Trump Justice Department. Uh, when the Mueller report came out, Attorney General Bill Barr didn't release it for a long time. Instead, he put out a mischaracterization that suggested uh, that uh, uh, Donald Trump was totally exonerated, which he clearly was not, the exact opposite of that in the report, uh, and then finally let it out. What we saw with the uh, Garland Justice Department the, under Joe Biden uh, is that Garland went out of his way. He appointed a special counsel for Biden, but not for Mike Pence, where the issues were very similar. He let this report get out there that had extraordinary and I think gratuitous uh, comments on uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and if you want to know which Justice Department you could trust and which president you should trust uh, on these kinds of issues, I think it's very clear that you can't trust Trump. Second, and the most important thing is uh, Mr. Hur went through in great detail 
why Joe Biden was not guilty of any crime. And he contrasted that very clearly with why Donald Trump is under indictment uh, for uh, uh, his, uh, um, you know, his misuse, his retaining and not returning uh, classified uh, documents. And that is, it should be the headline. The third is, why in the world did he go into such detail with statements about an elderly man with a poor memory? First of all, it was a five-hour interview that he had with Biden. Trump wouldn't give an inter wouldn't give an interview. Uh, he picked out some things outrageously, I thought, uh, a reference to Hunter Biden. Um, these didn't have to be there. Yes, a special counsel has to explain why he didn't prosecute. Um, but if he says that Biden didn't break the law, the notion of what Biden might do on the stand, which he might not take anyway, including that is absurd. And all it does, I think he was trying to protect himself from right-wingers in Congress and right-wing commentators who, as we are about to hear, are going to put this to outrageous use. But I want to go back. Let's remember a big difference between two Justice Departments. And that's one of the things we saw yesterday. Mm -hmm. Now, Hugh. Um, First, I want to play. Uh, no, wait, hold on, hold on one second, Hugh. Wait, hold, hold on one second, Hugh. Just your reaction to um, the special counsel's report. And then I'm going to specifically ask you about the tweet you sent out. So uh, just... You know, hold your fire I'm on. I'm going to give that. you both, but I'm going to start with a little icing on the cake, Jonathan, because that was great A spin. I've been consuming DC spin for five decades, and EJ's the best. And that was just absolutely great A spin. Not talk about the special counsel report, not talk about page 218 to 19, that as a sympathetic, well meaning elderly man with a poor memory, they couldn't convict Joe Biden. Not talk I about. I just quoted you. at you, just by the way. I, I so anyway. Mischaracterized Bill Barr's actions in the aftermath of the report. It was just wonderful spin. Here's my bottom line I think the president could be prosecuted. I think that the special counsel was right not to bring charges. I do believe that he would not be convicted by a jury. I do think he should, as we were going to talk about, resign. It is a devastating report. There are classified documents, not at one, not at two, not at three, but four different locations. They all could have endangered the national security of the United States. And we obviously have a double standard at work here with Donald Trump, but that's not on the table. Right now on the table is the fact that the commander in chief is not competent. He is infirm and should resign. Um, EJ, um, since an accusation was leveled at you, I will give you the floor to respond. No, I, I, I think that every, so much of what you said uh, is uh, either misleading or so deeply partisan that I'm not worried that he said I spun anything. What I said was absolutely true. I think it's outrageous to use this report to say uh, call on Joe Biden uh, to resign. And I'm not going to deal with it anymore because it's not serious, but it'll get you a lot of attention on social media. What I will note is there is no double standard here. That's absurd. He is trying to get Donald Trump off the hook for obstructing those who wanted the documents. Joe Biden returned all the documents. He sat for an interview for five hours in the middle, the day after uh, Hamas attacked Israel, and he was dealing with national uh, security matters. Uh, if uh, you want to talk about double standards, uh, Mike Pence did exactly the same thing as Joe Biden. Mike Pence uh, was also exonerated, was also, there was no crime there. 
There was no special counsel for Mike Pence. The, the Garland Justice Department went out of its way to appoint a Republican special counsel uh, to investigate Joe Biden. Uh, and so I would say the notion of a double standard is so distorting about what's at stake here. And again, if you want to trust the Justice Department, look at Garland's handling of everything and look at Barr's handling of the Mueller report. So, Hugh, um, you tweeted out um, at 8.22 this morning, so just before we came on, um, I'm just going to read the second part of it since you've you've already said what it is. Uh, there isn't a ship or submarine where the skipper wouldn't be removed if such a report arrived, not a plane a pilot could fly or a platoon a lieutenant could lead if they had a fitness report like at POTUS received from her. Biden should resign. If he doesn't, he should be impeached if vice president and cabinet don't trigger 25th. Hugh, um, you sort of explained why you said that, but it seems to me that that's extreme. It's not extreme. I, uh, I think I have active duty family members about whom I am concerned that the commander in chief can neither process nor retain information. And that is Mr. Herr's finding. I am more concerned that last night, after an improvidently and imprudently called press conference, the president returned to the podium and said without prompting, as you all know, I think our ally Israel has been over the top from the beginning of this. That has never been, been said before, like Tony Blinken's statement the day before about the inhumanity act, uh, Israel has shown towards Palestinians. It will show up in the ICJ proceedings initiated by South Africa. It is wholly irresponsible, and this guy should not be running the defenses of the United States. I am not a fan of the vice president. I don't think she's ever going to win the spelling bee either. But I do believe she can take in and retain information. And it is clear, if you cannot remember the day on which your son died, and I happened to have dinner last night with a man who's unfortunate to have had that circumstances, and I asked him cold, what day did your son die on? He knew instantly. The president is too old to be the president. This isn't a political statement, not a partisan statement. He is too old to run the free world, and he should step aside. Um, a couple of things, I, a couple of things, Hugh. First, um, the president didn't say that Israel has been over the top from the beginning. He did not say from the beginning. The other, th one more question for you, and then each I'll let you jump in. Given what you just said about the current sitting president of the United States, are you concerned that Trump, who is running to be the next president of the United States, is incompetent since he has repeatedly confused Nikki Haley for Nancy Pelosi, has repeatedly said that he, he ran against Barack Obama when he actually ran against Hillary Clinton. He has made several um, misstatements and um, you know, problems with his own memory. So if you've got a problem with President Biden, does that transfer to Donald Trump, who has shown even more of it? Great question. No, I don't. The answer is because Trump sits down for interviews at a regular interval. If the president wants to save this situation, he would set up back-to-back-to-back-to-back interviews with the anchors of the major newscasts, along with Brett Baer and Jay Tapper today, and do 30 minutes, 45 minutes with each, and demonstrate command and facility with facts as Donald Trump does on a daily basis. I don't think it's remotely the same issue. There's a temperament issue that people always talk about. This isn't temperament. I am talking about basic mental capacity. I think he's long been physically infirm. I now have the evidence provided by her in the report that EJ approves of that shows the president does not have what it takes 
to run the defenses of the United States. And this is serious. EJ, no, this is not take all the time you need. I, I don't know. I don't want to deal with this because I think, first of all, it's vile to use Hunter Biden, any reference to somebody who lost their son in the context of this second. It is just. Oh, did we lose EJ? He's frozen. He froze, I think. He's frozen. He froze. And that is a fantastic freeze um, yeah. of, his, <laughs> of his screen. All right. So. Um, um, I was going to let EJ EJ. Finish. Oh, there I go. Where oh, did I freeze? I hear you. You I, froze. I said, I, I... You froze. Start from Where the did... beginning, EJ. No, I, I just thought it, it was vile. It is vile to use references to Hunter Biden uh, and how someone deals with the death of uh, his son for political purposes. Secondly, uh, it's absurd to say that what when Trump does this, when he mistakes Nancy Pelosi uh, uh, for Nikki Haley or vice versa, um, that doesn't matter. It doesn't count because he gives interviews to right wing outlets that uh, love to ask him softball questions. Uh, I just don't think this resignation business should be taken seriously. I think what should be taken seriously is that we have a candidate for president uh, who is arguing that presidents have unlimited power and should never be able to be prosecuted for anything, which means they could shoot people or order people shot and could never be brought to justice. That's a serious issue that comes right out of the mouth of one of the candidates. The rest of this, I just don't think we should take seriously. Right, now, the transposing to... of names, Jonathan, I got to add something. The uh, EJ just transposed Hunter's name with Bo's name. That does not mean that EJ is incompetent. He Thank you. Exactly. I said Hunter. I, know. I, I just, I just, I do it every day. Thank you. That's not what we're talking about here. As Mr. Herr makes abundantly clear in a 354-page report, he thinks Joe Biden lied, though he can't prove it. He knows there were classified documents everywhere, and he could not remember many important things. And then last night, I got to disagree with you, Jonathan. He went out and said, as you all know, I think Israel has been way over the top. That is a damning statement about our closest ally in the Middle East that will show up in the ICJ rulings. And every time he steps up, even yesterday, when he said something as innocuous as I said I'd be president of red and green states, the guy is not all there. And it is dangerous. Kamala Harris is. She would be less dangerous. I believe if he doesn't step down, we will see an impeachment against him because it's dangerous. I'm not going to deal with this absurdity. Yeah, we're going to move on. Of, we're going to move, move on, on to the Supreme Court. Um, EJ, you had a column this week about a change of heart you had. Uh, you, you now believe Donald Trump should be thrown off the Colorado primary ballot. Why? Uh, because I, you know, when when I started out, I looked and said, "All right, the best way to deal with Trump is to have him defeated a second time in a free and fair election. Let's do it." And then I went back and looked at the history of uh, the uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, what it was there for, how it was used. Uh, I was already starting to change my mind, and then I read a lot of the historical briefs. And I think what's very clear, and I think that the uh, counsel for um, uh, Jason uh, Murray 
uh, the counsel for Colorado, put it very well. He said, the reason we're here is that President Trump tried to disenfranchise 80 million Americans who voted against him, and the Constitution doesn't require that he be given a second chance. Indeed, the Constitution requires that someone who engaged in that behavior should not be able to be president again. I was disappointed by the uh, hearing yesterday, uh, but not surprised, because I thought the whole court was trying to evade the central question here, which is not whether Colorado can do this or Maine can do this. It's whether Section 3 disqualifies Donald Trump from being president because he disqualified himself. And what you saw were justices who were trying to find various off-ramps. And what was fascinating is they were going anywhere they could find. Some were trying to use office versus officer. Some were trying to use states' rights. Uh, interestingly, a court that's sympathetic to states' rights wasn't so sympathetic yesterday. You went in to all these directions. I wish they had dealt more with the fundamental question, did Trump disqualify himself, which I think he did. And so, um, Hugh, were you surprised how, at how there seemed to be ideological unity in the skepticism of the justices at keeping Trump off the Colorado Republican primary ballot? No. On December 19th, when the Colorado decision came down, I was on TV on a different network and said, this is the most ridiculous decision I've seen in a long time. I've taught con law since 1996, served in the White House counsel's office, served in the Department of Justice. What the justices did yesterday reminded me of the Afghan game of uh, Buz Khaji, where you take the goat's head and you knock it around. There isn't a refuge for any of the arguments of the Colorado Supreme Court. It's going to be 9-0. There's not going to be one judge that agrees, one justice that agrees with the Colorado Supreme Court position. The chief justice summed it up. It has got no limiting principle. Anyone could do it. The blue states will do it to the red states. The red states will do it to the blue states. It's an utter nightmare. It was intended for the Confederacy. There's a controlling case. I listened to the entire argument. It was a slaughter of the Colorado Council. It's not even close. And the main Secretary of State should resign just as soon as the president does. And I'll tell you guys, sometimes we have to deal with facts. People don't like Donald Trump. I get it. You guys aren't going to vote for him. I am. But the bottom line is the people decide in the United States, not bureaucrats in Maine, not four judges in Colorado. The idea of, uh, no, I, first of all, I mean, what, you as in a, have everybody I disagree with resign mood uh, today. Um, I think that what is very clear from the history is that Section 3 was not just written for Confederate soldiers. And people at the time, uh, senators and House members debating the 14th Amendment, said very clearly, this is intended for the future. It's very clear it was intended to cover the president of the United States. Again, you uh, have sympathy for originalism and textualism. It's very clear that it was about presidents as well as other officers of the government. And the I can't vote for a 34-year-old for president because they are disqualified under the Constitution. That's not anti-democratic. I can't vote for somebody who is foreign-born for president, even if they are the very best man or woman in the country. And I think what you have under this section is Donald Trump's behavior before and on January 6th clearly puts him in the category of having provoked and uh, provoked a, uh, an insurrection and given aid and comfort to those who wanted to take down the Constitution. And I wish if the court wants to vote 9-0, fine, although I disagree with it. 
But if they are going to do that, I wish they had dealt far more with the core issue of what Section 3 says and what it means. All right, we have less than two minutes left, so I want to get each of you to um, answer this question. Uh, should the Supreme Court take up the immunity case now that Trump has until Monday to file the papers to get the, to get the appeals court ruling um, reviewed by the Supreme Court? Should the Supreme Court take it? Hugh? Yes, I think absolutely they have to. It's important presidential power. The extent of immunity has been litigated before on the civil side. There is a longstanding Department of Justice paper that prohibits the prosecution of a sitting president. By the way, first guest, vice presidents can't pardon presidents. Uh, but you can't prosecute sitting presidents either. So the Supreme Court ought to take this up in an expeditious manner. But I often think they ought to set it over for argument in the fall, and we ought not to interfere with the election by the ongoing proceedings in any of these ridiculous cases, except for the obstruction case in Florida. DJ? I am shocked that you wants to put this off till after the election. I think the ideal thing would be for them to affirm uh, a clear, thoughtful decision by the Court of Appeals. This claim is so absurd on its face. It is clearly designed to delay and delay, and you wants to contribute to the delay. I think they shouldn't take the case. If they do, I don't think they should grant a stay, and that will depend on the math. Uh, they need uh, five votes to grant a stay, only four votes to take the case. I think the right. case should proceed expeditiously because the voters ought to know how it turns out. So you, you're both in agreement. The court should take the case. No, no, no. I don't yeah. think the court should take the case. Oh. I think they should oh. affirm the Court of Appeals. But I'm saying oh, okay. if they take the case, I think they should not grant the stay and let the court, uh, let the court go forward, let the case against Trump go forward so voters know whether he's convicted or not. All right. And on that, we're going to leave it there. E.J. Dion, Hugh Hewitt, thank you both very much for coming back thank to First you both. Look. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening. To always stay up to date with First Look, subscribe to Washington Post Live's First Look on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.